Well, first of all, I think we should say uh, good morning, Lisa. Hello. Hi, Lisa. How are you? Hey, I'm very good. How are you? Yeah, we're doing well. Uh, we have a, a special guest today in the form of our our resident Kiwi. Uh, is it okay to call you our resident Kiwi? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, great. Lisa, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Tell us, tell us all about you. Well, um, I work um, with businesses with 1Password, so I help them get set up with their accounts. And I also do a lot of writing for a support site. And in case you're not sure what the Kiwi means, I'm from New Zealand. <laughs> so uh, this next week in the United States, it's, uh, it's Thanksgiving. Um, and being uh, as xenocentric as I am, I'm assuming that both of you are also celebrating Thanksgiving this coming week. Uh, so that should be fun for you. And me. I'm afraid not. Uh, we don't really celebrate Thanksgiving over here. No, we we call it uh, I don't know harvest time. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Good. We we generally plow fields and and don't really celebrate it. So, do you guys have turkey now and not Christmas, or is it both times you have turkey? Thanksgiving is definitely turkey. Christmas tends to be ham, uh, but a lot of people do do turkey as well. I I prefer turkey. I would I would do turkey all the time. I think that a good turkey once a month would be great, uh, but maybe not with like the sweet potatoes and the green bean casserole and the, and the mashed potatoes and all the all the simple starches that come with it. Green bean casserole. Oh yeah, have you not had green bean casserole? No. How does that even work? You take you take a can of green beans and you dump it out. And then you take a can First of... First of all, a can canned vegetable casserole. You've named two things there to destroy food. Okay. <laughs> so you take a you take a can of, of green beans and you dump it out in a, in a pan. Uh, and then you take a can of cream of mushroom soup and you dump that out in the pan. And then you take a can of uh, fried onions and you dump that out over the top of it. And then you bake it for like a while. And then you serve it. That sounds awful. I am sp- Speechless. <laughs> like the British get a bad rap for food, right? Yep. I get it. We, you know, overcook meat most of the time. But to take three canned foods <laughs> and put them in the oven and call that a meal, I mean that's that's a stretch. Look, you're gonna have to take it up with the Native Americans from the first Thanksgiving. I mean they had cans, of course. That's that's why we celebrate, right? Yes. We're celebrating the canned food industry that the Native Americans brought you. That's correct. Yes. <laughs> So One Password is a Canadian company, um, but it does, of course, have many Americans who are its customers, and and therefore we like to participate in the American holidays. So are we doing anything this year to uh, to help celebrate Thanksgiving? We absolutely are. I'm actually more excited by our promotion during Thanksgiving than I am actually of Thanksgiving. The promotion is that you buy a year of One Password, and you get a year of of One Password families to give away to another person that perhaps you might want to say thank you to. Wow, that's a really cool promotion. I like that a lot. That's uh, our, our very own BOGO, a, a buy one, give one. That's very cool. You know what we should do? We should have like a whole episode where we talk about like how to set up a 1Password Families account and sort of how to get, how to get going. But maybe, maybe first we do like some Watchtower Weekly. Like should we have a regular episode around this? I think so. I'm going to I'm going to go check out what what you think is Watchtower Weekly worthy this week. Whew, that's hard to say. Uh, a leaky database of SMS text messages exposed password resets and two-factor codes. Holy crow, this sounds awful. So basically there's a 
uh, a company called Vo- Vo- Voxox. Vozox? Vo- Vozox. Yep, nailed it. Uh, so they had this server and the server wasn't protected with a password <laughs> right that's the that's the big thing here that's kind of crazy <laughs> so a, a berlin based security researcher came along and it didn't take him long to find stashes of of text messages that had user's phone number and their account reset code uh, and this was used by a load of companies they found a password in plain text sent to a person with the Badu thing, which is like a dating app. There was Booking.com. Their, you know, partners and stuff were sending like six-digit two-factor codes. It's just, it's super messy. Fidelity, Google, the Federal Credit Unions, Amazon. There's a load of these companies, and I, I can't believe this hasn't been found sooner. Wow. This is unreal. Yeah, for the moment, it's just a, a, a little bit more of a, a dig at two-factor via text message, which is already, you know, controversial in most security people's minds. Actually, I don't think it is. I think that they universally agree that it's it's a bad idea. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's universally seen as a bad idea. Then. Among the security professionals, for sure. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, this, this is probably a, a reason why Yahoo even uh, sent some kind of a you know, keys via via text message that would allow you to get directly into the account. So yeah, there's there's loads of, of very bad stuff that's that's been kind of kept on this server, on a public server without a password. All right, so I want to step back just a little bit here uh, to make sure that everyone is up to speed. So when you create an account somewhere online, usually it's with a username and a password. You can then add an additional layer of security to that account uh, in the form of a what's called a two-factor authentication, which basically means that you have your username, you have your password, and then you also have like a another, typically a six-digit code that is either sent to you or created for you on, on your phone or on an, in another app that you include when you go to sign in. And it gives you it gives you a little extra protection. Not all online accounts support this, but it is something that's becoming much more popular. The two main ways that this two-factor authentication is done is either through a text message. So this company, you know, the website or whatever will take your phone number. And then when you attempt to log in, you'll get a text message that says, here's the six digit code we just asked you for. Uh, the other way is you can use an app like one password or authy, and it will actually generate these six digit codes for you right on your device. Nothing is ever sent to you. Uh, you just get a sort of a setup code when you first turn it on. And then from then on out, like the company doesn't send you anything. It just assumes that you have access to this one-time code. These codes change every 30 seconds or so. So this is a breach of the text message based version of that two-factor authentication amongst other things really sent via text message oh yeah you know the sms two-factor authentication stuff i think is really good from a, a customer education point of view like they it's something that they understand it's it's not complicated i give you my phone number you send me a code that i'm going to need to put in easy straightforward but as we mentioned like security researchers are like this is not safe and it's this is one of the ways in which it's not safe so hopefully more of these companies start moving towards app-based two-factor auth codes. Yeah, that would be great. I, I think one of the things to take away from this is that any data stolen, most of these are time-based secrets. So, you know, 
that most of them are useless around a few minutes after they've been stolen. Yeah, for sure. Cool. So yeah, that's all that's on Watchtower Weekly uh, this week. Uh, there were some other, you know, minor little things, but I, I think that's the most interesting one to talk about. That's a good one. Yeah, that definitely qualifies. So I think that we should probably get into like the meat of this episode a little bit. We definitely have a special guest on today. Lisa, we're, you know, I'm really excited that you're here. Typically, it's interview format. Well, we would ask you about all sorts of stuff about you. But today we brought you in uh, for a different purpose. And that is because one of the things that you do is you help get businesses set up with 1Password accounts. And today we want to talk about how we can get families set up with one password account so you sort of have a a unique set of subject matter expertise here that i think we can really leverage yeah i'll do my best like obviously the businesses have a bit of a different use case to families but overall most of it's pretty similar so we'll have a good shot at it today yeah i think so okay what is this about a lot of us are heading home for the holidays uh whether it's thanksgiving or, or you know in a month or so we do christmas or, or whatever uh holidays you tend to celebrate and invariably, when you show up at your family's home, uh, you are the tech support person. If you're listening to this show, you are probably your family's tech support. Uh, and you'll walk into the den or the, the office and uh, you'll find post-it notes scattered all over the place, stuck to the monitor, whatnot, with usernames and passwords written on them. Maybe there's one of those fancy password notebooks that you can pick up at the dollar store. And this episode is about how to sort of eliminate that and move into something that's a lot better namely 1Password. So Lisa, I'm going to let you sort of, I want you to sort of talk about like why people should do this. Like why is this better than post-it notes? What is getting your family set up with a family account actually going to do for somebody? Well, first of all, it's going to stop them from storing their passwords on post-it notes. It's going to put them somewhere a lot more secure so that no one else can find their details lying around and take advantage of their accounts. Um, it also will mean that your family members, like I've had this problem with my family as well, that they'll use a handful of passwords to go into all of their accounts. They don't see any reason why that's an issue because they just want it to be convenient um, but having a family account is even more convenient because you don't have to remember your passwords at all you can just get one password to generate the passwords and then they'll be they'll be good to go and they can use on password to sign into their account so they're saving a lot of time as well so with the family account in particular um, the main benefit for me I think is the ability to recover accounts so there's always going to be the case where someone forgets their password, and if you forget your master password for one password, you're usually out of luck. We can't help you to recover access to that because we don't have those keys. But with a family account, we've given family organizers the ability to recover access. So if a family member ever does lose access to their account, you can help them get back into it and and have, use all their passwords again. It also means that you can share items with other family members. So for instance, things like your wireless password, um, Netflix, anything you're gonna need to share with other people in the family, you can just put that into a shared vault within your family account so everyone else has access to it. You don't need to leave those passwords lying around or make them really, really plain and simple so that other people can remember them. You can keep them really secure, but share them securely as well. Oh, that's really cool. Matt, you wanna give us a, a little bit of an overview as to how how we get started. I mean, it's possible that, that some of the folks using or listening today don't either don't have a, a family account or they do and they haven't really usual, utilized it too much. Like what's the getting started pitch here? Yeah. So if you already have a 1Password account, um, you can 
go to start.onepassword.com forward slash invitations. And that's how you kind of, you know, invite someone to your family. So that's probably the, the first step. So once you've invited someone, they'll essentially have the same kind of setup process as, as you had when you joined 1Password. They'll have their own master password. They'll have their own account, their own area, but they'll also have access to the shared vault. And that's where you can start to share things like the Netflix password and all, all this kind of other stuff. You know, what you'll need to be guiding them through is the same experience that you had, which is setting up their master password to be something that they remember, basically. Yeah, I always like to say, make it random but memorable. I got got the name of the show in there. Yeah, very nice. It's a good job. Essentially, my favorite thing to do is is to set someone up and give them a, a, a master password that they're comfortable with and then come back in a couple of weeks and kind of get them to, to make it a bit better when they've forgotten all the other passwords that they needed to remember. You know, security is always small steps in a in a marathon rather than kind of sprinting to finish it all. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you want your master password to be something that's very strong, not easily guessed. But when you're just getting up and running, uh, you also want to make it the make it something that people aren't going to forget. So, you know, let people pick something they're comfortable with. Like you said, follow up with them and, and get them to to sort of amp it up a little bit. So after they've got their account and they've got their master password, um, they're, most likely they'll be in their in their browser, which is great. Like they'll be able to see some items and, and click around to some different vaults. Uh, but the power of 1Password really comes from our native apps, 1Password uh, for Mac and iOS and Android and Windows and, and even uh, our 1Password extensions that work within Chrome and Firefox. So after you've, you've got them set up, uh, have them go to start.1Password.com forward slash apps and there you'll see all the different things all the different apps that they can install uh, for one password and you'll see that there's a QR code on that screen and so you just you just want to keep that handy because after you install the native app it will guide you through actually scanning that QR code and then they just put in their master password and they should be good to go um, once the native app is installed then it's going to be uh, setting up the browser extension and for that, you can go to onepasswordcom uh, browsers and you'll see links to all of the, the browser extensions and get them set up. And that's sort of like the bare minimum of what needs to actually happen here before, before they, they get to start using 1Password every day. And the next step really will be to get them to turn off their platform-specific password manager. So if they're already using the password manager in their browser to save their passwords, you want them to turn that off just so that it's not conflicting with one password. It's not still trying to fill and save their details. Um, it just helps simplify things. You're not wondering where a certain password is saved. It's all just stored in one password. Um, so usually you can do this either through your browser's preferences or settings page. Um, you'll usually find it under the settings like security or passwords, and then you can just turn that off uh, so that they'll be all good going forwards. The next step would be to get them to um, add their details to 1Password so they can actually start using it. So best way to do this is to get them to sign into a website that they've already got an account for and then watch as 1Password prompts them to save it. Show them how to then fill those details, get them to sign back out of the account and show them how to use 1Password to sign in. You can either use uh, the 1Password Mini or you can use the keyboard shortcuts, whatever the preference is. And tell your family member that that's how it will work and once I've managed to get all of their items within 1Password, they won't ever have to type another website password again. 
And if you're feeling ambitious, if they have a lot of those sticky notes everywhere, you might even want to start helping them by converting each and every one of them into an entry and one password just to help give them a head start so they're not having to go through all of them themselves. Yeah, and that's kind of it. Like once they're, they've done that and you've sort of shown them how to how to save a login and how to fill a login, I mean, that's that's the basics of, of 1Password. Like make sure they've got it on all their devices. Uh, you know, they've, if they've got uh, an iPhone or an Android, make sure that they can, they've got 1Password there so they can take it with them. And then you can start to expand even beyond usernames and passwords. You can store a ton of stuff in 1Password. I keep I keep my family's social security numbers in there, you know, bank information, all sorts of stuff that I need periodically when I'm out and about. Uh, you know, you go, you go to the doctor's office and maybe you need to provide social security information. Well, I don't need to go dig it out of the safe at home. Like it's just, it's with me safe in one password instead. So it's, it's kind of a brave new world for, for folks once this is, this is ready to go. And, and yeah, that, that's kind of it. Have I forgotten anything? Did we, did we leave anything out? I would say the other thing is showing them how to use the shared vault as well. So by default, they would be storing everything in their private vault. So that's where they'll keep all of their personal information secure. No one else in the family can access it. But if there are any items that they want to share with other people in the family. So for me, I like to share my passport and other information with my partners. So when we're booking flights, we have everything that we need to to go through and complete those forms. Um, so all of those those details can go into the shared vault so that other people and the family can access them as well. Oh yeah, that's a good point. I've got I've got a number of shared vaults set up. So I've got, you know, on my family account, I've got uh, my wife is there uh, and she and I share a vault and, and most everything is in there in, in common. Uh, I also have uh, my brother is on our family account and his vault is completely separate from ours. Like he just uses his private vault uh, he's not actually using any of the stuff that's in the shared vault. So you can have people in your family that are just part of the family account and they're using it on their own. And, and uh, they still get the benefits of you being able to recover their account if something goes wrong, um, provide provide help where they might need it. Or periodically, you might find that you do need to send something to them in a secure fashion. And you can easily do that with a shared vault. It's really very cool. Yeah, it's it's. You know, everybody uses 1Password in, in different ways. Oh, for sure. It's always nice to, to talk about how, how people are using that. And and while this uh, episode is, is heavily 1Password based, <laughs> um, we do actually have a, a, a listener question that we can that we can probably get to this week. It's a, it's a really nice question from Prosumer. And essentially it's, you know, what's it like to work at Adjobits? How does it feel to be featured by Apple? multiple times he's put in brackets and more important to work on a product that is loved and used by millions i wanted to include this because like first of all like it's very very nice (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's very humbling to have people think that that this is worth you know talking about but we have been on a you know a large hiring spree over the last couple of years so if if working on one password is something that you've always wanted to do head to our website and find the find the careers page you can definitely kind of Come and join the fun. <laughs> yeah, this is a wonderful tweet. Is this? Did you did you create this Twitter account, Matt, and post this question that we could answer? <laughs> it's really it's really quite nice. I didn't. Okay, good. I don't know whether someone else did, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's really really nice. I, what? How does it feel to be featured by Apple? Um, it's awesome. Like you go you go to the App Store and it's like, oh hey, there we are. That's really cool. Uh, 
you know, we have this track record over the last number of years now of really making sure that we take advantage of everything that Apple has to offer in terms of new technologies. So whether it's it's Face ID or password autofill and, and, and many, many things before that, um, it's wonderful. You know, it's fun to do that from a development point of view. But from Apple's point of view, they they love seeing that third-party apps are adopting this new stuff right away. And as a result, they feature us, which is so cool. And, and I love it. Lisa, why don't you take the last part? What's it like to, to work on a product that's loved and used by millions? I think it's really awesome and kind of humbling in a way. Um, where I am in New Zealand, I don't really see a lot of 1Password users um, every day, but when I've been traveling, uh, so I was over in Canada and the States recently, and so you'll be talking to a lot of people. Um, I was at GopherCon as well, so you're really getting to see those customers face-to-face and and they're really telling you how much they, they're passionate about the product. They really love using it. And it's just such a cool feeling to know that something that you're working on has such a positive effect on so many people in the world. Yeah. When we were at uh, Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference over the summer, um, of course, you know, it it just there's a high, higher concentration than normal of 1Password users there. And so just having people be like, hey, 1Password, you guys are great. You know, when you're walking down the street is it's an awesome feeling like you you just you're on sort of this high all week which is it's a lot of fun awesome so we do have a place name this week and i think it might be better than the welsh uh uh, clan via one Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i mean do you have abbreviations in new zealand or if you were going to this place for like lunch would you say the whole thing? So I hadn't heard of it until you um, put it into a doc because I'm not from the North Island where this is from. But I think if it was shortened, it would just be called Taumata. You definitely would not be saying that whole word. That's good. Yeah. I I think I think Rue goes first. <laughs> I don't wanna. This is, this is insane. Yeah, Matt had to pull out the, the biggest word that he could find from New Zealand. I absolutely did. <laughs> I feel like there's a rhythm to this as well. Like there's a there's a good rhythm that you've got to get into. In fact, I know that there's a rhythm to this. I'm going to tell you why I know that there's a rhythm to this. Um, so when this place was being named, as you know, place names, it's a very standardized procedure. You know, there's always a person that that has to read the place name aloud uh, and another person who sort of who writes that down as it's being dictated to them. Um, and so this one... Uh, in, in New Zealand in particular, all place names go through a central place naming bureau. Uh, it's sort of in the middle of the country. Um, and as Lisa mentioned, this comes from the North Island. And so uh, what was happening is that um, while this was being phoned in, uh, there was actually in the background a traditional Maori haka going on. Now, this is a ceremonial dance. Uh, it's very energetic. And so... The, you know the person trying to read it they they said just you know tomata the the very beginning of the word but in the background the person who was transcribing it all they picked up the rest of the haka that was being chanted and that's that's how this place ended up on the official place naming records as <laughs> tomata wakata nigihang akoamata Tituri, Pikukaka, Pikika Mango, Horo, Kopokai, Wenaukitana, Tahu. 
nailed it. <laughs> I, I love that your descriptions get longer every week, and yet we always cut them. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this I'm gonna give this a go. Taui Meta Hawaka Tangi Hange Awayu Atue Mata Pokai when you are kaitan at Tahu. You inserted an apostrophe that replaced like the entire middle section of the word. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I tried to do? I tried to listen to a YouTube video and then say it after they did. <laughs> That's called cheating, by the way. Yep. So congratulations. I hope you feel good about yourself. Uh, Lisa, do you have an official pronunciation for this? I won't say mine's official because I I won't even pretend that I'm really good at speaking Maori. It's been years since I've had to speak it, but I will give it a shot. Tau mata whaka tangi hanga kauau tama tia turi puku ka piki ma anga horo nuku per kai whenua kiti na tahu. Wow. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that, that definitely had a rhythm to it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I think that you kind of blacked out for a minute and just chanted that and then came back to us. <laughs> <laughs> I think is what just happened. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, listen, uh, I hope I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. I hope that you've gotten something from this episode. Uh, Lisa, thank you for joining us today. It was very great to have you here. Thank you for having me. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Love you, Rue. Love you too, Matt.